Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman. I'm a divorce attorney in Newton, Massachusetts, and welcome to Inside Divorce, a podcast series published on the 15th of each month. Each guest is an expert in the field of divorce and has fascinating information to share. I hope you'll listen. Hello, and welcome to Inside Divorce. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Wendy Sterling, whose business is uh, Divorce Recovery with a business called The Divorce Rehab. So welcome, Wendy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you with me. We have a lot to talk about. So first, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I will never forget the day 15 and a half years ago, or rather when I was 15 years into my marriage, where my ex, now ex-husband and I were coming back from a couple's night out. And my worst fears came true because the phone rang and it was very late at night. It was from a female colleague. And that night, my whole life changed. You see, at the time I had been working in corporate America, I was close to 20 years into an ad sales and online ad sales position. I'd worked in corporate and, you know, I thought that I had the Facebook facade perfect life with our two perfect children and... I realized that that wasn't the case in that particular moment. And so what I ended up embarking on was really trying to find myself because I had lost my entire identity in my marriage to my husband at the time. And yet I knew who I was at work. I knew who I was as a mom, but I had no idea who Wendy was. And it really wasn't until I discovered the world of life coaching. I had been in therapy, but it wasn't really moving me forward the way I was looking for it to do. And so when I discovered life coaching, it really allowed me to lean into the vision of the life that I wanted to give me power to create it instead of feeling stuck in the one that I was living. And so I decided not only to file for divorce, but to also become a certified life coach and to also become an energy healer. And I took some spiritual psychology courses and and quit my job, filed for divorce, and left my six-figure paycheck to start my own business, which essentially is the divorce rehab. And what it does is it takes women through the process of empowering them to see that their divorce can be the most empowering experience that they go through to find their true identity and voice to design a life that they choose instead of being stuck in the one that they have. And that's where divorce rehab came from that rehab is actually an acronym. So the R is about reclaiming your voice and identity. The E is about ending your victim mindset and your pity party. The H is about healing all the wounds associated. It's not just your marriage. It is your future. It is the identity you thought you had. It is the fu- you know finances, et cetera. The A is about accountability and acceptance, and the B is really building a new foundation for your life, one that you choose. And so that's how my business came to be and why I now call myself a divorce coach and healer. Wow. Well, you certainly embraced change, didn't you? I did. I wasn't one that easily did that before. Uh (laughs) And I think one of the things that I really learned through my divorce is that on the other side of change is growth. And there's opportunities that we don't allow ourselves to see. And while we were the last couple that anyone would have thought would have gotten divorced, I also realized that I was really unhappy. And in order for me to step into the world of joy, peace and freedom, I had to make some pretty big changes in my life and the biggest one, putting myself first. 
Yeah. So you have to first have to figure out, as I say to my kids, first to solve a problem, you have to figure out what the problem is. So you had to <laughs> figure that out, right? And then make a path forward to figuring out how to solve the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and in the process, of course, you had kids you took along for the ride. I did. Um, my boys were seven and 10 at the time. They were, their whole world was rocked. It was not something any of us expected. They actually blamed me for quite a while. And I took the, <laughs> I took the blows and uh, until a certain point where I just couldn't take it anymore. However, it wasn't that I threw my now ex-husband under the bus. It was really explaining to them that marriage takes two people. And while I cannot control what their father's choices are, I can control mine. And marriage takes two people. And the choices have to be the same in order for the marriage to work. So my boys, they are amazing. They have come out on the other side. A big reason that their dad and I were, you know, we kept our arguments and our disagreements private. We never, never shown that light to our children at any time. And while co-parenting wasn't exactly the path in the beginning of our divorce, it is 100% the path that we are on today. So how did you convince your ex-husband of that? Well, what's interesting is that he, at the onset, was all about co-parenting. He wanted to go to a co-parenting coordinator, and I put the kibosh on that because I wasn't in a place where I was ready to really have conversations with him. Clearly, reading between the lines, my ex-husband had an affair, and I was angry, and I was bitter, and I wasn't in a place that I was ready to be in that type of relationship. I needed to set boundaries with him that enabled me to fully heal before I could step into what that relationship would look like. And in the beginning, it started out as parallel parenting, which actually is a form of co-parenting. So we parallel parented. And on the bigger items, right, having to do with medical or school, of course, we would have to speak about those things, but things that happened at his house, things that happened at my house, we didn't discuss because if I went there, the lid was going to blow off in big ways from me because I just was not there. And so it really took me working on myself, really, which is what my program is based on. It really took me working on myself and getting myself to a place to take responsibility for how I showed up to how I contributed to the marriage falling apart and not taking responsibility for his choices. Um, and it really wasn't until I got to that place and I forgave myself that I was really able to engage in a true co-parenting relationship where we, we talk about everything having to do with our kids and that's it. <laughs> we don't uh -huh. talk about our personal lives really too much unless it is something that impacts our children. We are friends with boundaries. So how do you resolve parenting issues that, where you disagree? Just well, <laughs> as it, you know, the same way you did when you were married, I suppose, but there are only two of you. There's no tiebreaker. Well, correct. And it's not the same as we were married. You know, one of the big fundamental elements that I teach when I am coaching around co-parenting is that a big step that we forget to take as we are entering into a co-parenting relationship is that you have to create, you you get to create a new identity for yourself in the role as mom or dad instead of ex-wife or ex-husband. And so once you're able to create that new identity, anytime conversations come up, it's about putting your kids in the center. I'm mom, he's dad, and looking at what's in the best interest of our children. 
he and I disagree on enough things that, you know, they've caused disagreements. And at the end of the day, for some of them, he gets to have his opinion win, quote unquote, right? You pick your battles. There's things that I feel very adamant about that I will advocate on behalf of my kids. A lot of times I will try to show the perspective of what is in the best interest of our children. And I also know that he, you know, my ex-husband is also, and, and I tell my clients this too, and this is really what a lot of them are in the same, or a lot of them are in the same situation is that many times I was the, you know, I was the one who made certain decisions in our marriage about our children. And it's really about building back that trust as mom and dad, speaking from that lens, instead of coming at it with a finger pointed, accusing or demanding or putting down to get your way, it doesn't work. And and there have also been times where I have said to him, you know what, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Let's cool down and let's talk about this tomorrow. Because nothing gets accomplished when you're in an irrational mindset. No, true. But it does require that you let go of a lot of the baggage that you've carried around or gave to each other to carry around during the course of the marriage so that you can look at it from a different perspective. And there is a division of labor in many marriages, financial as well as parenting. So that labor doesn't those issues to task don't get divided in the same way once you're divorced. No, they don't. I still, well, yeah, I mean, and I would say that I still do, I probably still do about 70%. And he also, like, we, it was funny, I was telling somebody this the other day, I'm like, my ex-husband, he knows the things that, like, he gets to handle, and I have the things that I get to handle. And so it's one of those things where, like, if we get an email from the school, and, like, a form has to be filled out, right? It's, interestingly enough, he does the form filling out. So nice. I will forward him the email, <laughs> and I will say, like, hey, are you still cool handling this, right? Mm-hmm. Give, you know, instead of saying, do this. Do you hear the difference? Oh, yeah, right? for sure. So our language a uh-huh. lot of times impacts the relationship that you have with your former spouse, right? It's a lot more tentative, actually. Correct. And respectful. I'm all about respect and kindness. Yes. Firm and flexible, respectful and kind. Ah, what a combination. Yes. <laughs> it's possible. Interesting. It is plausible. Well, you know, the journey that people go on through rehab and as a divorce coach takes time. Yes. And I imagine people are eager to get to the end of the the coaching road with you, but they have to slow down and understand each step and understand what's involved in getting to the next step. Is that hard? For everybody. Oh, my God. I remember even in my own divorce, I kept saying, God, I just want to remember saying to my lawyer all the time and to my coach and to my therapist, I just want this to be done. I just want it to be over. And I hear that from my clients all the time. I just want it to be over. And truth bomb to your audience, it's never over, especially when you have kids. And what is over is the marriage. So that's the part that you get to pack away, right? You pack away wife status and you step into the role of co-parent. You step into the role of mom or dad. And that process is really hard for people. And to be honest, not a lot of people teach that. Uh-huh. And so the, the key to that is communicating to understand instead of communicating to respond. Mm-hmm. And once you're able to make that distinction, it really shifts everything. And the recovery process, 
I had a very strong reaction when my divorce papers came back and the date was on there. And the strong reaction was an overwhelm of sadness. It was an overwhelm of anger. It was stuff just floods back. And it's not that you're ever fully recovered. It's that Things will pop up and it's important to have the tools to know how to get through it. People always want the shortcut. They want the quick fix. And the shortcut is feeling through what it is that you're experiencing. And if you're not willing to feel through and you just cut yourself off, then it is going to take a long time. How many years were you married? I was married for 16. We were together for 23. You're talking about like me having to look in the mirror and go, okay, who are you now? Mm -hmm. Who is this person? Because so much of our identities are tied up in our marriages. And so until you're really able to give yourself permission to take the time, it doesn't take a week. It doesn't take a month. It's not going to be over when your divorce papers come back. Not at all. Mm -hmm. For many of us, it kind of kickstarts it in a different way again. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting that support, then it's going to take even longer. So yeah, it's going to take you at least a year. I think I read somewhere they say like for every 10 years you were married, that's how many years it takes to recover. I don't know if that's a right statistic or not, but I was able to heal through mine in about a year and a half. And so the program that I've put together, like the way I'm able to coach my clients is really getting them to a place where they have the tools, they've practiced it. They're in a different mindset. They are responding instead of reacting and actually able to figure out and navigate their new life so that they can feel like they're living their vision. You can't do that by yourself. Well, you also, the way you do it is different when you're getting divorced than after your divorce is over. Because during the divorce, you're under a microscope. Yes. You're more under a microscope. You can't do all the things that you might want to do while someone else is watching. But once a divorce is over and the court has entered the divorce judgment and you're free to live your life, that's when the real healing begins, I believe. Absolutely. And I will also remind my clients that you have one shot at getting what you ultimately is going to serve you in your divorce. And when you are supported emotionally and mentally, you are making more rational decisions than not because going back and having to renegotiate is going to cost even more money. So I agree with you. And I also encourage people to slow down to just take another day, take another week, because in the long run, it's going to cost you more money. And I made that mistake. I did make that mistake and never again, because mm-hmm. all I wanted was to be done, to get him out of my life. Cause I well, you thought, thought the pain would be over. I a hundred percent, hundred percent. It wasn't. Yep. Yeah. Well, everyone uh, would say with confidence, everyone wants their divorce over right away. Yeah, everyone thinks that the pain will be over once they're divorced. And as we've just said, it's not. And also, I, I completely agree with you. Slowing things down actually comes results in a better agreement because your life changes. The kids' needs change. Jobs change. Circumstances change. And often you don't want to get stuck. You know, life is fungible. So you don't want to get stuck making a decision at point A when point C actually created better circumstances for getting a better terms of your divorce. Yeah. And you never know what's ahead. So there's always a gamble, but I do feel like rushing it does make, you're forced to make compromises or you choose to make compromises you don't have to make. 
knowledge, it's important that you understand your rights. It's important that you understand what you're entitled to and knowing what is ultimately going to serve you best. So if you don't have a vision for the life that you want, then how are you going to be able to know what you want to fight for, what you want to give in on, what you're willing to negotiate? It is so incredibly important to remember that it is about the end goal. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint, no matter how badly you want to get to the finish line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and how you handle the kids and during the process is important too, as we talked about earlier. Yes, it's crucial. Because they're they're going along with it as well in your life and in their father's life. Well, and depending upon how old your kids are, they're going through different experiences. I've had clients who have said, God, I'm so glad I waited till they were older. And then all of a sudden there's some fallout with their soon to be adult children. There's clients that I work with who have younger kids. Like every age group of your kids is going through something different, but the steady piece that's important regardless is not exposing your anger, your emotions about the other person. They still see their parent, the other parent, as an extension of them. They get to form their own relationship. They get to form their own opinions. And it's up to each parent to create a new relationship with them. I was close to my kids to begin with, but I got to tell you, divorce really brought the my boys and I so much closer together. We are so much more open with each other. However, it doesn't mean that I'm open with them about my feelings about their father. It means that I say to them that like I'm frustrated or I am angry. And I don't say, oh, because your dad, da, 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 da. It's about shielding them from what's going on between you and their other parent. And it's also about teaching them that they can have their feelings and you're there to support them, but you don't join in on the bandwagon of berating the other person because that harms them. It does not do you any good. And so having boundaries with your kids is super important during the divorce process because many times they're not old enough to understand or they are old enough. However, they're trying to navigate, this is who I was in the world of my family and now I'm going out into the world becoming a new person. So who am I there if I don't have that? And so it's really, really crucial that we just let our kids be where they are. We hold space for their feelings and we don't mix ours in. We just let them have their own experience. And not tell them that they shouldn't feel that way. Exactly. Which we do all the time. How many of you guys listening will say to anybody, your kids, your parents, I mean, I've said it before, oh no, you're fine. Or, mm-hmm. oh no, you don't, you know that that's Nothing not to be true. upset about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because I, I was somewhere recently and I was observing that I forgot where I was. Oh, I was at Disneyland. I live in Los Angeles. I was at Disneyland over the holidays and we were standing in line. And I remember I just kept observing these parents completely diminishing their kids' feelings. And you guys, again, I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to say you're quote unquote wrong. What I'm saying is that start paying attention to what it is that you're saying to your kids, because when you tell them you're fine and you're not holding space for their feelings, Imagine what that's going to do to them later. It's going to silence them. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that I teach my clients that has kind of that ripple effect Mm -hmm. with their kids is you get to have feelings. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them. But I get to have my feelings. Everybody can have feelings. (laughs) 
It's right. your God-given right, in my opinion. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Everybody it's can have feelings. They get to have a voice, right? They get to yeah. have a voice. They're having an experience with your divorce. And it's very different from yours. And you get to keep those two worlds separate. Mm-hmm. And you get to be there for them as they're navigating their own emotions. Yes, for sure. You know, the acronym you started our podcast with, the R-E-H-A-B, rehab. I'm just looking at E for, and the pity party and the victim mindset. I'm wondering if that's probably the hardest to overcome, to get people focused forward. Yes, we spend a lot of time on the E (laughs) because the R is really about values and boundaries. And then ending the pity party comes in the form of really listening to your thoughts, paying attention to how it is that you speak to yourself. And it's really hard because we've been doing it for most of our life, right? Since we were probably kids. And it's one of those things where you need somebody else to be able to reflect back to you and to listen to what you're not hearing yourself say because you're just so used to saying things. And when you think about how you talk to yourself, I want you guys to just take a minute and think about something you said to yourself that put yourself down. Would you say that to a friend? Would you call up your best friend and say that to your best friend? 100% of the time I hear, oh my God, never. No, I would never. Then why do you say it to yourself? And when you're using language like I should, I ought to, you're very much in that victim place. And when you find yourself pointing fingers, well, you, well, you, and you. No, (laughs) other people don't create your feelings. You create them based off of your perspective. And so a lot of the pity party and the victim mindset work takes a lot of time to see, right? To hear the inner critic, to hear the negative language that you're using, to address the fears, right? The fears that you have, and to then get yourself to a place where you see the light, you see love, And you're able to build back your self-esteem and your confidence to really start taking better care of yourself so that you can get yourself to a place where you can actually start healing. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yep. It all makes sense, doesn't it? If people could just do the simple things they need to do. (laughs) If we would just get out of our own way. I'm telling you, I say to people all the time, if your kids needed help, if your kids needed something, Wouldn't you just drop everything and get them whatever it is that they needed? Mm -hmm. Give yourself the same grace. Give yourself the same rights. You are just as important as your kids, if not more, because without you, your kids don't have a world, (laughs) you know? So get out of your own way and and start getting yourself some help and, and support. All right. Well, we're nearing the end of our time here for this lively podcast. When I, I'm going to tell you something since you're from California. I think it's funny. I often say that my clients are in la-la land when they can't see what's really going on and that I, 10 steps removed, can observe it. So getting the clients out of la-la land or your clients out of la-la land, and which is kind of the E and the pity party, start seeing the life as it really is and not as you imagine it should be then you can start to move on. Yes, life is not Hollywood. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yes. Well, Wendy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today on Inside Divorce. And I wish you luck with Divorce Rehab. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it and the work that you do. Thanks so much. 
Sassoon Simrod has attorneys who meet your dynamic needs, handling legal matters including tax issues, real estate transactions, business law, and of course, divorce and post-divorce matters. I can be reached at the same number, 617-969-0069, but my email address has changed. It's now hgrossman at sassoonsimrod.com. Sassoon Simrod is spelled S-A-S-S-O-O-N-C-Y-M-R-O-T. Thanks for listening.